Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Well, turn in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah. Let's get to it. Isaiah chapter 61. Good job. Isaiah 61, 1 through 4. We're going to read this again tonight and a uh, little different. I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling a, little, a little different tonight. I want to go in a little different direction. Some of it is, is passage-oriented, but some of it's also just conversations that I've had with some of you. And um, I don't know. Let's, let's, uh, let's just see what God has in store for us tonight, all right? Let's pray. God, we love you tonight. And, and Lord, we, uh, we just pause. Lord, thank you for the worship. Thank you for the song that we just sung, that great are you. Man, whether we believe that or not, or rather the lives that we're, that we're currently living display that or not, you're worthy of it, and you are. And so I pray that you use every, every minute, every ounce, every, every building, everything that we're doing here at RVR, God, to just dial us in. Lord, as we read from your word in just a moment, it'll, be, it'll by far be the greatest thing that I say tonight, and I pray that you would, you would land it on our hearts in a way that we get it. Perhaps there's a, a light bulb or two that needs to come on inside our hearts tonight after maybe just reading it every night. God, would you allow us tonight to, to just kind of kick back, to talk plainly with each other, to... Uh, maybe just to step in some sort of a, a mental living room and, and just have a real, honest conversation about life. God, would you speak in this place tonight? Allow us not only to, to sit in your presence tonight, but in your power as well. The Holy Spirit, you would, you would move in this place, have your way, and you would find hearts eager tonight to run to Jesus. That's your ultimate aim, that we see him tonight. So hide me behind the cross. I pray for the, the stuff that might be running around inside my head that really doesn't need to be talked about tonight or said. And, and God, that you would just, you just take this clock, you would take this room, this stage, it's yours, and use it for your glory in our lives tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So Isaiah chapter 61 one through four. This is what Isaiah said. This is what Isaiah wrote and what Jesus said that day. He rolled into Nazareth, into the synagogue, and Luke, as we read the first night, the scroll was handed to him. He unrolled it. He found this spot, and this is what Jesus said in Luke, what Isaiah wrote in 61, one through four. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness to the prisoners, to proclaim to the, the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Tonight, what we'll talk about, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair, 
that they'll be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. So to comfort all who mourn, let me give you some context. This word mourn, all right, specifically in Isaiah, it's a prophecy about something that really hasn't even happened yet. This, this, uh, this mourning to proclaim those who grieve in Zion. Zion is the highest possible point in Jerusalem. And there's coming a day during the second coming of Jesus Christ where there's going to be mourning. There's going to be judgment, right? There's going to be grieving. So some of this hasn't happened yet. But this word mourn is still very specific, and it's still very contextual to our lives today. And Jesus himself said it. When he showed up on the scene in Nazareth, uh, the Sea of Galilee, which is like 13 miles wide, and, and I mean, it's just a, it looks like a big pond, all right? And, and there's, this, there's this point on the Sea of Galilee that just kind of slopes up to the top of a hill. And in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus saw the large crowd. He called his disciples and said, hey, guys, come here for a second. Come here, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. And he sat down, and he gave what's called the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. And, and he, like, he was breaking this mental sound barrier for them. What he was saying to them was this radical, upside-down shift and way of thinking. And one of the things that he stated to them was, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So that wasn't about forth-telling prophecy. That was like people right then and there. So how do we apply that? What does that word mourn mean? There's two different meanings to that word. It can mean a physical mourning, weeping, wailing over someone's physical death. Anybody ever had somebody in your family die before? Have you ever been to a, a funeral before? All right, that's mourning. The Bible says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Jesus rolled up to a scene one time where there was a death. And the people in the house, they were wailing. They were crying. And you know what Jesus did? Shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Yeah, he just rolled up and he cried with them. I was there a month ago when a father decided this life is not worth living, and he went out on a shed, and he took his life. My phone lit up. Another pastor got a phone call. We hopped in the car. We got there. He was still laying in the backyard. Wife was in the living room crying. Other women in the, around our church had gathered, and I said, where, where are the children? And they said, they're in the back bedroom. And I was one of the first ones to walk into the bedroom, open the bedroom door, and there's all four children laying in the bed, 18 years old, all the way down to five. What do you say? What do you say in that moment where you just go, hey, can we pull the blinds so nobody accidentally gets up and looks in the backyard? It's just horrible. Sometimes in those moments, you just mourn with people. I walked over to my friend, the 18-year-old who's in our student ministry, and I just put my hand on his thigh and my other hand on his rib cage, and, and, I, and I, he looked at me, and he just started weeping, and I just wept with him. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. That's a mourning. All right, now there's also another type of mourning where it may be more spiritual mourning. How many of you have ever realized what you said yes to and the pain that it caused on you, the pain that it might have caused on your parents, maybe some sin, man, it just looks so, it looks so good and so tasty, and you just dove right on up in that mess, and you was, woohoo, and you was having a good old time, and then when you step back from it, you're just like, oh, stupid, what's wrong with me? And you're just like, 
mourning over a choice that you made. How many of you been there? Yeah, you lying if your hand ain't raised up. Just let me tell you that right now. We've all been there. We've all made those choices. Okay, so there's two different types of mourning. They both apply. Jesus said, I've come to give comfort to those who mourn and to provide for those who grieve. Some of you might have been there last night. We talk about darkness and how Satan wants to keep us in the dark and keep our sins in the dark. And the kingdom of evil is built, sustained. It continues to grow on lies, secrets, and darkness. And all that's required is to expose it to light. But you want to know what I also know? And when you come to RVR, you come to places like this, and you're exposed to light, the light of the gospel, the light of Jesus. Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the life, and that light is what causes us to see. The same light that causes living things to grow also hardens clay. The response is up to you, okay? Just because you're here at RVR doesn't mean you're going to grow spiritually. That's up to you. You can still sit here and choose to stiff-arm God in your pride. And the Bible says in James, he's going to oppose you. We might get to that tonight, you and me. But if not, I think you get to that tonight in your small groups. So this concept of, of mourning. As I have hung out with teenagers for the past 20 years of my life, there's a mourning that I see continually happening. I saw it in my own life. When I was a teenager, and there's a, there's a place that I want us to travel, that I'm feeling led by God to take us tonight as it relates to, to our, maybe I'm going to call sexual integrity. And I don't want to travel a path tonight that's like, hey, all of those, all of yours, all those of you who are, who are looking at porn, stop it, it's sinful, slap you, what's wrong with you? I don't want to go there. Because we, so many of us have heard those messages like, stay away from sin, it's bad. We all know that. But, but I want to I go in a different direction tonight. And, and I'm going to talk to you just like I would my children. I've already kind of walked through some of the stories of my kids. And, and I got an 18-year-old son at home who's, who's journeying some new things. And he's heading to college next year. And I got a 16-year-old girl that, that I was crying with on the phone on the way here, traveling down the highway. And we were just having this just father-daughter moment. And so I, I also recognize that not all of you in this room have a father that is a good, good father. I recognize that. Because when I say that word father, that's many different hearts, it's many different lands on you in the room. Some of you have great fathers. Man, they're active. They are involved. They're loving. And you know it. Some of you are like, man, I don't even know who my dad is. I haven't seen him in, when you think about your dad, you think of the word absent. When you think about dad or father, you think cruel. You think mean. You think angry. You think I got to tiptoe around and, and I hope he's in a good mood. So that word father, man, it, it's, a, it's a big word in today's culture. Jesus, when he taught his disciples how to pray, the very first words out of his mouth were, our father. Father is not who, it's not, it's not what God is like. We just sang about him. Great is the Lord. It's not what he's like. It's who he is. Everybody with me? And so there's a point where you're going to grow up and you're going to realize, okay, I've got to allow the Holy Spirit, I've got to allow the God of the Word of God to reprogram in my heart what that word Father means. 
if you're in that situation where you go, yeah, my dad checked out. So I realize that so many dads have dropped the ball. And your ultimate, your first direct line to who God is comes through your earthly father. So I also don't want to come from a perspective tonight that I'm a great father and I got it all figured out. All right? I don't want to stand up here and lie. I don't want to be that dude. I've, I've certainly had many mistakes, and by God's grace, my children still love me. If, if, I was to, if, if any one of my kids were here and I would say, hey, what, what, what was daddy's biggest moment? Y'all remember when daddy just like dropped the ball? They would all talk about a water bottle in the kitchen, all right? If I can just tell on myself for a little sample. I, I'm, I'm totally ADD. I can get super spastic and hyper. And when there's like four voices going on in the room and spazzo, I'm just like, ah! Inside my brain, it's like, la, 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 la. And I'm just like freaking out. You know what I'm saying? I should probably totally be on some medication, but I don't know. I'm just not, all right? Anyway. Um, and I don't know what, I, I, to this day, I don't know what in the world, what the mess happened, right? But I was just, I just lost it. I've got a Nalgene water bottle in my hand, 32 ounces, and it probably had about, you know, maybe three-fourths water in it. And, and I was walking towards the kitchen sink, and, and they were fighting and bickering and arguing. And, and man, it was just like, the moment was tense, it was tense. And I was like, would y'all just be quiet? And I don't know what it was. I wanted that water bottle to, like, go through the kitchen sink into the basement and, like, 30 feet into the earth. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, it was crazy, just a moment, right? It just erupted. Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy, all right? I'm not like the Incredible Hulk or something, you know what I'm saying? Anybody ever lost it? Just add, you know, you just, you just snapped, you know what I'm saying? All right, I just snapped. And, and the way the water hit the sink <laughs> and like curved up, dude, it shot up and hit the ceiling and water was like dripping from the ceiling, you know? <laughs> that like, it was like doing that, you know what I'm saying, from the ceiling. And, and, and everything just, like, stopped, like, and my kids are like, they're, like, freaking out, like, oh, my, daddy just turned into a beast, you know what I'm saying? And, and I'm like, oh, that was, that was dumb. And about that time, I walk, my wife walks in the room, and she's like, what just happened? And I'm like, oh, I'm busted now, you know? And oh, it was not, not my finest father moment. About 20 minutes later, I had to call everybody into the living room. We got the couch. The, the love seat that's like only two people can sit at, you know, and, and there's this thing they call the ottoman in the middle. I remember it like it was yesterday when I asked all four of my kids to come in and sit down. And I pulled that ottoman over and I got down on my knees in front of my kids and I said, guys, daddy blew it. I don't know what the mess just happened in there, but I got to go clean up the ceiling because it's still dripping with water. And, and like Cherith was sitting there... You're like just crying, and I'm like, what? what is wrong with me? And you know what I did in front of my kids? I repented. I repented of my sin. Confess your sins one to another. The Bible says you'll be healed. One of the reasons why I think so many people alive today have such a difficult time repenting of the things that they've done wrong is because they've never seen it. It's never been modeled to them. Nobody's ever come to them in a biblical fashion and said, dude, my flesh, dude, I don't know what's wrong. I need help. Would you forgive me? I just need to invite Jesus to cover this moment. And I don't think we've seen that enough. So I don't want to stand and go, I got this all figured out and my kids are perfect because we're not. But there are a couple moments 
where by God's grace, I've seen some victory, and I want to share some of those with you tonight, because I don't want to be the don't do this, do better, stop it, quit it kind of stuff, because so much of the Bible, I think there's just this true picture of who Jesus is, and he's awesome, and there's nothing that deserves my affection of my heart more than Jesus, and if I will give it all to him, then I'm going to save myself a whole lot of pain. Y'all with me? Does that make sense to you? So I got four kids, and, and this whole, you know, idea of, of like dating and, and phones and, and social media and, and all that kind of stuff, I've just spent too many, too many hours with people sitting in front of me going, this is trucking my life. It's trucking my life. Grown men sitting at a Moe's restaurant several years ago. We sit down, and I say, hey, what did you want to meet about? He's like, man, I'm, I'm addicted to nakedness. I'm like, wow, thanks for your honesty. And I said, what's your trigger? Where, where do you? And he, and he pulled his cell phone out and slid it right on the table, and it was one of these just like this. And I said, that's it? He said, yeah. I said, do you look on your computer? No. Do you watch movies on your TVs? He said, no. All that stuff, my wife is there, my kids are there. He goes, it's just this. And I leaned back in my seat, and I was like, oh, okay. And he looked at me, and he's like, what do you mean? Oh, okay, like it's going to be all right? I'm like, it's really not that hard. How bad do you want out? How bad do you want out? And he's like, well, I'm meeting with you, aren't I? I'm like, yeah, I just want to know, like how serious, because I'm going to tell you something, and it's going to be real simple. What I'm about to tell you is not rocket science. He's like, okay, lay it on me. I said, maybe you're not smart enough for a smartphone. He gave me that little, you know what I'm saying? How many of you have ever done that to your parents? <laughs> yeah. Oh, some of y'all are like, dude, he's pretty good at that. Yep, I got four kids, remember? I've seen that a lot. Dad. I said, dude, I'm serious. If that's your thing, he's like, yeah, but you don't understand, man. I get work on the phone. And I'm like, you can't get work on a laptop? You can't get work on your phone? I mean, on your, on your computer? You can't wait like 15 minutes until you get to the office? I said, bro, this isn't rocket science. You know the scripture about if, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off? Well, that's not necessarily literal, all right? But if this is your trigger, if this is your deal, well, then what does it look like for you to go, okay, I don't need this? I, I, I probably, I'm, I'm probably not ready for this. Three weeks later, he walks into church. He walks past where we register kids for Sunday morning, and he pulls out a flip phone. Flip, shows it to me. And I was like, give me some. There you go. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. And so for my kids, my home, my family, I'm just like, guys, I love you. I love you enough not to hand you cocaine and say, here, be responsible. Here, be responsible. Something that, that, that in, in just a few swipes and clicks, you can have all the world's lustful pleasures. So I'm just like, I'm, we're not going to do that. My 18-year-old has my old iPhone. He's 18. He's heading to college. For the first time, he has Instagram. Was it awkward for him as the store starting point guard 
on his basketball team all the way through high school when his friends were making fun of him because he didn't have a phone? Yeah. But you know what? He's all right. He's okay. My seventh grader, dad, can I have dad? Can I have a dad? Can I have a? And I'm like, sweetheart, daddy loves you. Daddy loves you. I'm not going to hand you a cigarette and say, hey, just don't puff too long. Does that make sense? So, so here's my question, and here's what I want to help you do. I would prefer to help you plan not to versus the other, the other way. Let me see if I can say this dyslexia right. All right. Most people fail to plan versus planning to fail. Does that make sense? If you're sitting here right now and I say, hey, what's your plan for personal holiness in your life? And you're like, uh, then I go, okay, then you're probably planning to fail because you don't have a plan. Does that make sense? I, in all my years of hanging out with students, 20 plus years of hanging out with teenagers, all right, I have never, I have never in all my life had, had one, not one conversation with a single student that said, dude, I can't wait to be in a scene where I got to pull my veins out and say, stick it in, do it, come on, shoot me up. I've, I've never met a teenager who's like, I can't wait to be a heroin addict, ever. You know what I'm saying? Some of you are like, okay, that's pretty. Listen, think about what we're talking about. I've never met, I've never, of all the marital counseling, my first marriage ceremony that I officiated as a reverend, as a pastor, 21 years ago. I've been married for 22. I was married one year. This couple comes to my wife and I and says, hey, we want to, marry, want to get married and we want you all to marry us. I'm like, I'm already married. I'm not marrying you. I said, I'll officiate your wedding. From that moment to all the weddings, all the couples that, I love him, he's so cute, all that stuff, all right? All of those people that we have met with over the past 22 years, I've never met a couple in any of those scenes that's like, we can't wait to fight. I mean, we can't wait till like that day that I just like chuck muffins across the room at him. And I've never met a husband that's like, I can't wait to, you know, sleep on the couch because I messed up. I can't wait to, nobody plans that. But yet, guess what I find myself in as a pastor all the time, right? I find myself in those scenes because nobody sits down and says, what's our plan to not do that? What's our plan to not do that? And I can remember as a student sitting in middle school, realizing that my father was being called out of the military and into the pastorate. My grandfather was a pastor. I'm seventh generation of pastor in my family. Now, I was the biggest adrenaline junkie on the planet. It can't be high enough or go fast enough for me. And I was heading towards the military in some fashion. Give me some guns. Give me something. And then God train wrecked my life when I went to work at a camp like this. And I experienced the gospel of Jesus Christ and somebody else giving their life to Jesus because I opened my mouth rocked my world, right, rocked my world. But I say that to say this. I remember sitting there as a high school student in the same kind of seats you're in, and I thought, hmm, I wonder if God would ever, like he's doing with my father right now, I wonder if God would ever set me on this stool. I wonder if he'd ever put one of, put, 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 put one of these things in my ear. 
And if, he, and if he would find me worthy enough to stand in front of a group of people, what do I want to be able to say one day? It was vision. And God began to give me a heartbeat and a passion to stand here and say, you know what? Because of Jesus, I was a virgin when I got married. Because of Jesus, I've never tasted alcohol in my life. Because of Jesus, no, I've never been offered pot, ever. Because my lifestyle was lived in such a fashion, I'm just not around those scenes. I'm not around those people. You live in a world where juuling and vaping is everywhere. It's, it's about as prevalent as water in some of your school systems. Am I right? Raise your hand. Be like, dude, speaking truth. Yes, it's everywhere, all right? And so how do you sit here and go, how, huh, how in the world? It's right here. It's right here. It's your passion and your desire to go, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Great is the Lord. What would it look like for you to just dial in Jesus in your life and go, that's what, that's what I desire. That is the only way, the only way that you're not going to have that I crossed the median and hit a family of four and they're all dead because I had too many drinks. Yet, does it happen? Yes, it happens. There's a guy in our hospital right now. He's been there for 20 years because he crossed the median and, and hit a family. He's the meanest guy in Bedford Memorial Hospital, hands down. Every nurse that comes to our church says, mean, angry man, bitter. But what if I could go back? What if I could go back to when he was a teenager? What if I could go back to maybe that camp that he might have gone to? What if I have that moment with you right now as a 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th grader? Guess what? We do. Here we are. Here we are. Here we are. So let's go back, all right? My 18-year-old son comes to me. I want to tell you a story about my 18-year-old son. He's, um, he comes to me, and, and he's, he calls me downstairs. He sends me a text message. I'm upstairs, and he sends me a text message. I'm like, I, I hate that. Why can't you just say, hey, Dad? So I get this buzz. Eh, eh. Hey, Dad, can you come down here? I'm like, for real? Why do we communicate like that? So I go downstairs, and I step into his bedroom. He's laying on his bed. He's got his basketball. He's bouncing it off the ceiling. He says, close the door. I was like, oh, it's going to be one of them kind of talks, huh? And I go over and sit down on his bed. He's got this little smile on his face. And he's like, I, I got something I want to tell you. And I'm like, all right. And he's like struggling to get it out. And I'm like, bro, bro, there ain't nothing you're going to tell me. That's gonna, it's, it's all right. I'm dad, all right? I love you. There's nothing you're going to tell me right now that's going to make me love you less. So, Let's do this. He goes, so there's this girl. And I was like, oh, <laughs> now, now I know where this is going. I'm like, so this is this girl. And, and he's like, yeah, there's this girl. And he tells me her name. And I'm like, oh, sweet girl. I know her. I know her family. And I'm like, uh-huh. He's like, I kind of like her. I'm like, yeah, all right, that's good. Okay, I'm excited about this moment, you know. I'm like, 
Why are you telling me this? Why'd you call me down here to tell me that there's this girl that you kind of like? You know what he said to me? Because if I, if I didn't tell you, I feel like I would have been lying to you. I would have been holding something back from you. And so I said, what's your intentions? He said, what? I said, what's your intentions with her? What's your plan? He's like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what my plan is. I'm like, you, an arrow in all directions is no direction at all. So let's, let's zero in on something. What's your, what's your desire? Well, I kind of like her. Right. You, you think she's cute. Right. He looks at me like, Dad. I'm like, well, look, if she was butt ugly, would we be having this conversation? No. You think she's cute. That's a good thing. You're attracted to her. God gave you those desires. This is just, let's just acknowledge the, the normal, okay? And I'm like, but, but you, something, what is it about her that you like? Now, he says, I see some qualities in her that I see in mom. Now, I don't know if he was trying to be smooth like butter with me. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if he was just trying to wax and, and, and warm me up or if he was like, that's a smart kid right there. You know what I'm saying? I was like, oh, I like that. Give me some. And I said, all right, let me cut to the chase. We had a long conversation. I'm running out of time. I said, what is God's desire for you in this something that you want to pursue? He's like, I don't know. And I said, do you think God's already spoken to this? And he's like, yes, Dad, I'm sure he has, and I'm sure you're going to tell me. I'm like, well, absolutely I am because God wrote a book. You know what I'm saying? And here's what I said to him. I asked him to get his Bible out. He got his Bible out, and he went to 1 Timothy chapter 5. It'll be on the screens. You should probably write this down. 1 Timothy chapter 5, Paul gives instructions to the church to the church, to the believers, people who say, yes, I love Jesus, yes, I'm following Jesus, here's the instructions to those people. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1, do not rebuke an older man. Don't rebuke him, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers. Younger men, we're supposed to treat each other as brothers. Older men, we treat them as fathers. We have respect for them. Verse 2, older women as mothers. There's a respect there. Older women as mothers, younger women as sisters. Younger women as sisters. And then the Bible ends with in all purity. Now, are there, are there any siblings in the room by chance? Yes, you? Stand up. You got a brother somewhere? Not in here? Oh, no, 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 no. I need, I need like a brother and sister. Is there a brother and sister in the room right now? So just give me one. Who? All right, stand up. Where's your sister? I said brother and sister. I said, is there a brother and a sister in the room? Yes, come here. Come here, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. Yeah. All right, so what's your name? Ryan. What's your name? Dude, y'all look alike. Ryan and Madeline. Twins. You're twins. Shut up. That's awesome. Okay, real quick. We're running out of time, but I want to give y'all a free pass real quick. Will y'all just make out for a second? Oh. <laughs> 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 <That's> 
Okay, go sit down. <laughs> go sit down. Dude, that, I got to give you that for that. That was nasty, okay? He said, he goes, ooh, that's Alabama. So, <laughs> that's, that's that. Okay, all right, listen. I did that same thing. I did that same thing with my 18-year-old son. I said, let me go get Jordan. She's closest to your age. She's 16. I'm going to go get her, and I'm going to bring her in here. I'm, I want, I want you all to make out for a little bit. He goes, Dad. I'm like, what? He's like, Dad, what? Huh? I'm like, yeah. Don't you want to get some lip lock on your sister? He's like, dude, stop. Da, blah, da, 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 da. Dude, Dad, that's gross. I'm like, okay. You are to treat younger women as sisters in all purity. Oh, now listen, I'm not telling you something you want to hear. I'm telling you what the Bible says, all right? Are you trying to tell me right now that the Bible is trying to wreck my dating life? I'm telling you what the Bible says. That's my job. Treat them as sisters in all purity. You know what, you know what, our, you know what one of our issues is today is men don't know how to be men, gentlemen. We're little boys. All right. All right, hold up. All right, that clock right there says 315, I'm over. I need to know, like, you got to shut your mouth and we got to get out of here. And how many more minutes do I have? Tell me, because I know there's a crew coming in and I got to honor that. They're like, okay, all right, listen, listen, here's the deal. Here's the deal. No, 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 we got to honor. There's a whole other group that's got to come in here. Listen, in all purity, and I said, son, listen, you're, is that your wife? He said, I don't know. You don't know? No. Are you serious? No, you don't know if that's going to be your wife. He said, no, I don't know that that's going to be my wife. Then you know what that means? That means that she could be another man's wife. Now, you know what that means, son? That means that your real wife that God might have for you is where? He said, I don't know. I'm like, right, you don't know. She could be out there. You could meet her in college. You could meet her somewhere else. Let me ask you something. What do you hope the men around her are treating her as? And I looked at him, and I stood up, and I got right in front of him, and I said, you be that man. You be that man. One of the problems that we have is 2 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I thought like a child. I spoke like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. I put away childish things. When he turned 18, he also sent me a text and said, hey, I want to sell the Xbox. I said, I said, why? I said, why? He said, he said here's what he said to me. He said, Dad, it's a distraction. And he goes, I spend too much time on the couch, and I just figure that it's time to grow up and become a man. Listen, listen, I am way out of time. I got to honor what's happening next, all right? God wants to give comfort to those who mourn, and I would just rather help you not get to a place in your life where you're mourning the loss of your purity. You're mourning the loss of... You're mourning the loss of. Let's back up. Let's back up and make Jesus the affection of our heart. And let's set plans and parameters in our lives to help us get there. Let's grow up. Let's pray. God, we love you tonight. Lord, thank you.
Lord, for these two moments with my son. There have been a lot of other train wreck moments. There have been a lot of moments of grace, a lot of repenting moments. But God, I thank you for the hearts that are in this room and for what you're doing in their hearts this week, even calling them to higher levels of purity than what they've set for themselves. God, I pray that by your word, you would give us power, you would give us insight, you would give us vision for a picture that brings you honor and glory from our lives. I pray for our discussion later tonight. Would you, would you help us to speak this kind of plainly with each other and get real? Let's cut through the junk and let's pray for each other. Let's help each other be the people that you desire for us to be. God, give you uh, the praise for all that you're doing among us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.